Welcome to Getting Credit, a podcast focusing on financial markets, corporate credit, and timely insights from Pacific Funds. Here's your host, Dominic Nolan, Senior Managing Director of Pacific Asset Management, the sub-advisor for the Pacific Funds Fixed Income Funds. Hello, and thank you for tuning into number 16. In the next 10 minutes, I'm going to give you a review of market action in March and provide some thoughts on the Fed, the economy, and credit. Let's dive right in. With regard to March, similar theme in the past few months is that domestic equity markets continued to rally with the expectations that the economic reopening is legitimate. And in the bond market, you continue to see rates grind higher, putting pressure on bond returns. So let's dive into the numbers. S&P 500 during March up a little over 4%. For the first quarter, up 6.17. So again, very strong first quarter in 21. We are coming across one-year numbers now that really give you a sense of how far the market has come. When we think about 2020, the bottom of the market was essentially the last week of March. So when you look at the one-year number from March 31st to last year, March 31st, you'll see some pretty staggering returns. The S&P was up 56% during this time. So that's your mark for US equity returns over the past year. So when everyone, when you get your 401k statements or one-year return statements, expect uh, pretty high numbers. And what's wild is if your number is below 50% on equities, you actually underperform. So just use that as a frame of reference. The Russell 1000 growth anchored in technology continues to underperform. That that began back in November around the vaccine, vaccines coming out. For the month, it was up just under 2%. For the three-month period, it was up less than 1%. However, for the one-year period, up 62.74%. Big, big rally by tech stocks. The leaders, the continued leaders over the past six months are the small cap values. So that's measured by the Russell 2000 value index, up over 5% in March. For the quarter, up over 21%, and the one-year return of the Russell 2000 Value Index, 97.05%. So almost doubling your money in that index over the past 12 months. When we look at international markets, they continue to underperform our markets in March, up a little over 2%. For the quarter, up 3.4%. And then for the one year, up 44.57%. So as strong as that number sounds, it is still 12% below the S&P 500 over the past year. The story in fixed income continues to be rates and inflation that puts pressure on bond prices. The aggregate index was down one and a quarter percent in March. For the first quarter, it was down over 3%. That's a pretty bad return for general fixed income uh, investments. For the one year, pretty flat, up 71 basis points. So you received below coupon returns over the past year. Conversely, on the credit side, in particular, high-yield bonds, pretty strong story over the past year. I'll highlight March was flat, 16 basis points. For the three-month number, was up 86 basis points, so a little below coupon. But the one-year number on high-yield bonds was 23.7%. And then on the floating rate security side, flat in March, up 2% for the first quarter and up 20% for the year. So we've had a little bit of reversal in the bond market this year. Last year, rates dropped, so fixed rate bonds did well. This year, rates are going up, so floating rate bonds are defending against that. 
quite well. At this point, the biggest threat to both fixed income and equity markets is inflation. We are seeing that tick up. So let's dive in a little bit to the Fed, and in particular, the infrastructure bill, as that may further ramp up inflation expectations and increase put pressure on rates. FOMC continues to hammer home that they are going to stick to the script and let inflation move above 2% for some time. Now, what does that mean? That means short-term rates, particular money market rates, anything on the front end is going to stay anchored probably for another year or two. That does mean you might get a steepening curve. So if we have inflation come into play, longer-term bonds will start to move higher in yields, and that will lead to a steeper curve. What that means for fixed income is shorter duration will probably continue to outperform. But again, we're we're unclear at this point. In my opinion, one of the big events that occurred in March was the Biden administration rolling out their initial bid, shall we say, on the infrastructure bill and taxes. So when we look through to the spending side, initially about 2.3 trillion. Uh, Remember, folks, we just did a stimulus package in the trillions and the infrastructure bill originally was thought to be a little bit below 2 trillion we're seeing it come in above 2 trillion transportation represents the biggest tranche of that now that's about 600 billion that includes funding for repairing roads and bridges EVs public transit rail airports a lot of things in there there's another 400 billion to expand access to community based care for older Americans and then there's 300 billion for manufacturing there is another 200 billion for building and retrofitting 2 million homes. So there's, it covers a wide tranche. So how are we expected to pay for this? At a high level, a little over two thirds is expected to come from corporate corporations with the focus of that coming from an increase in the corporate tax rate from 21 to 28%, which is expected to be about 700 billion and a a proposal of raising the global intangible low taxed income rate from 105 to 21%, which is expected to add another $500 billion. Those, that anchors the, the burden on corporations. As it relates to the individuals, really two things here. One, an increase in the highest individual tax rate. That's 37% to a 39.6% rate. That's expected to be about $100 billion over the course of time. And to me, the, the real big one, though, is, is capital gains. Uh, do you reform short-term versus long-term capital gains or convert long-term to the short-term rate or be a step or eliminating the step-up in basis as a result of death? So a lot of, you know, what currently somebody passes away, the estate receives a step-up in cost basis. If you do away with that, that places a larger tax burden on estates. But you're interested to see how that plays out as it relates to the passing of this bill, and it will most likely result or be passed with one giant reconciliation, which again requires only 51 votes. So again, we'll we'll see how that plays out, and we'll get a better sense of that as we connect with our political experts in the next podcast. Let's dig in a little into the economy using here daily credit card spending data from Bank of America. Total card spending on a one-year basis, is up 66%. Now, keep in mind, a year ago, the economy was really shutting down. Now we're open, so you're getting distorted numbers, but it gives you a sense of how real the opening is. But to me, it's the two-year number that I found interesting. 
the year, the two-year change today versus early 2019, we're up over 20% in spending data. Now that certainly be attributed to the stimulus packages that have been issued, but certainly validates that economic reopening trade. In addition to that, here are three more sectors that tell a story in my mind. One is restaurants. Restaurants are up 170, 180% on a one-year basis, but on a two-year basis, up over 10%. So depending on the day, up 12 to 13%. So most people I think wouldn't think that restaurants today are generating more revenue or more spend than they were two years ago, but the data would be telling us that they are. Another one is home improvement. One-year number up 54, two-year number up in the 40s, 40 plus percent in home improvement spend. So it certainly tells the housing story. And then when you look through to online, which widely expected should be high, but just to give you a sense, total online retail, 40% on a one-year basis, 92%, up 92% on a two-year basis. So the story of consumers doing more online, spending more on homes, going out relative to even two years ago, the data is backing up that, that narrative. So as it relates, you know, to sum it up as it relates to markets, earnings are expected to be strong. So consensus is year over year, earnings are up 20% and 21 versus 20. Central bank remains accommodative. The vaccine ramp up is legitimate. There's more fiscal spending coming and the economy folks is opening. I'll maintain the same stance last month. Very positive for corporations. Want to be defensive on rates given, given the pressure of of interest rates and inflation. So floating rate has been performing well. I don't see that changing. I would say fixed rate valuations are, are improving as rates tick up. So there's your market month in 10 minutes or so. And for those of you that have stayed this far, what do you call a polite person that builds infrastructure projects? A civil engineer. Thank you and stay tuned. The S&P 500 index is a market capitalization weighted index of 500 widely held stocks. The Russell 1000 growth index measures the performance of the large cap growth segment of the US equity universe. The Russell 2000 value index measures the performance of the large cap value segment of the US equity universe. The Bloomberg Barclays US aggregate bond index is composed of investment grade US government bonds, investment grade corporate bonds, mortgage pass-through securities, and asset-backed securities. It is not possible to invest in an index. One basis point is equal to 0.1%. FOMC refers to the Federal Open Market Committee. Investors should consider a fund's investment goal, risks, charges, and expenses carefully before investing. The prospectus and or summary prospectus contains this and other information and should be read carefully before investing. The prospectus can be obtained by visiting pacificfunds.com. All investing involves risk, including the possible loss of the principal amount invested. The views in this commentary are as of April 14, 2021, and are presented for informational purposes only. These views should not be construed as investment advice, an endorsement of any security, mutual fund, sector, or index, or to predict performance of any investment. The opinions expressed herein are subject to change without notice. 
as market and other conditions warrant. Any performance data quoted represents past performance, which does not guarantee future results. Any forward-looking statements are not guaranteed. All material is compiled from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Sector names in this commentary are provided by the fund's portfolio managers and could be different if provided by a third party. Pacific funds are distributed by Pacific Select Distributors, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, a subsidiary of Pacific Life Insurance Company, Newport Beach, California, and are available through licensed third parties. Pacific funds refers to Pacific Funds Series Trust.